We had um, an amazing time last weekend. Uh, those of you guys who knew uh, Pastor Chris and I were at a at a conference, and man, it was so awesome! Like it was phenomenal. I'm going to tell y'all right now. Next year, around the, around this time, buy stock in Dunkin' Donuts because <laughs> we had a lot of that. Um, it was, it was a really great time. Like we had, I think Saturday, we probably had over a hundred pastors in this room. They had to pull chairs and they were sitting outside and just, and it wasn't like what you might expect where people are like rushing to the microphone. Like I need to be somebody that says something. It's like just really a time of honoring one another and loving one another and building one another up. So it was really, really good. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was awesome. So, um, I was preparing for this week, and I was thinking about, like, Sunday school gone wrong. Um, you know, I think we, we, we have a tendency to, to think our kids need a watered-down gospel, or they can't get it. We have to water things down. We have to, and I remember Candace was... She was doing a lesson for school. She's a Bible teacher, and so she's doing this lesson for school, and she's worried because there's some, there's some parts of this story that are about murder and brutality, and she's like, I think I actually said, so I was like, maybe you should check with your principal. I don't know if you should put that in there. And her principal's response was, it's biblical, do it. It's the Bible, do it. And so I just started thinking about, man, like how much of Sunday school, you know, how, how, how short we sell our kids to think they can't get stuff. You know, you've, we've all seen like Noah hanging out of the ark waving with his giraffe and his elephant. They're all happy. There's no odor. There's no smells. There's no, right? It's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's happy times. That was day one. That was day one. <laughs> And so I just, I kind of started thinking about like all the Sunday school lessons and like, okay, you know, let's attack them now. Um, but, but I got to like the Sermon on the Mount. And so I wanted to talk about the Sermon on the Mount. This is something that's just been talked about thousands and thousands of thousands of different ways. Um, and so in Matthew 5, um, and y'all don't have to turn there because I'm going to tell y'all what happened. Um, so in verse 2, it says, he opened his mouth and taught them. And that popped off the page at me. I'm like, there's something there. He opened his mouth. Like, why did Matthew say he opened his mouth? Obviously, he opened his mouth if he's going to teach them. Why did Matthew say that? I thought I, ooh, I stumbled onto something. You know, you ever feel that way? Like, I've stumbled on, I've, I've found this thing that nobody else has unlocked. And so I went, and I looked it up. And anoigo is the word to open. And stoma is the word mouth. In Greek, it means he opened his mouth. There was nothing there. I, I was so disappointed. I was like, man, really thought this was something. But there was something stirring in me. You know, Pastor Shabelli, when we were up there, he talked about being stirred up. And something about that verse stirred me up. And when God is stirring you, don't rush past it, right? Don't, don't push past when God is stirring you. Because there's something there. And so um, I went to bed, and, you know, I was thinking about uh, one of the pastors up there. He said this. He said, we were, the first night we were there, I think we probably prayed for like two hours, just prayer. And he just stood up, and he said, 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What if we just stopped right there? And then he went and sat down and we just prayed. Because that's enough, right? And so, so like, learn, I felt like God was really putting on me to, to discipline yourself to, to be okay parking somewhere, even if you don't understand it. And then the next morning, I woke up and, and there was just this loop. Like, I, I couldn't sleep anymore. It was just, it was just, God spoke and this happened. And, and all throughout the Bible, like, like, God is just bringing into my mind all these times where he's speaking and things are happening. God is a, is, a, is a verbal God. He's a speaking God. We shut his mouth up with our, with our, with our modern, philo- our, our, our Greco-Roman philosophy. But God is a God that speaks. And when he speaks, things begin to move. Mm-hmm. And so I just went to the beginning. And um, in Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke. So our very first concept of God is him opening his mouth and time and space bending beneath his will, beneath his power. The power of his word. There was no concept of time or space, but God existed. And he spoke, and all of a sudden, time and space come into, come into play. Now, now there's a day, there's a night, there's... And, and he keeps going, right? He goes all through chapter 1, and he's, and he's speaking, and things are happening. He's speaking, and things are happening. And then in verse 31, what does it say? He looks at everything, and he saw, and, and it was very good. When God speaks, things happen, things move, and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Um, so the world, you know, the world is always telling us. The world is always telling us about our mistakes. It's always telling us about our faults, our failures. But God saw what he made, and he knew what would happen in chapter 3. And he said it's very good. Mm-hmm. He still says, yeah. he still says yeah. it's very good. God knew what was about to come, mm-hmm. but it's very good. Why is it very good? Because it wasn't about what, what, what was there right now. It wasn't about the, the, what, what, what we could see and what we can for. Again, the world is always going to look at you right now, how you are, and they're going to call you that. But God said it was very good. Why? Because Colossians 1.16 says all things were created by him and for him. And Hebrews 2.10 says for whom and by, for whom and by whom all things exist. Because God already was at the cross. God was already at the day of our salvation, the day of our redemption. God was already there. And so in Genesis 3, we get the fall. And look at this. This is really, I think this is really spectacular. I don't know how much time there is here between when God put them in the garden and when the serpent comes in and deceives them. But look at this. Everything God had spoken was very good. But now it's corrupted, right? So again, the world, it's not good enough. Apparently, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't perfect enough. God had lost. Darkness can rejoice because God's perfect plan is now disrupted. And God begins to issue punishment. And the first thing he does is he issues judgment to who? The serpent. The serpent first. Look at this. He says to the serpent in verse 14, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock 
And above all beasts of the fields on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The very first thing that's gone wrong in God's plan, the most, the most punishing judgment is grace for mankind. He just told them Christ is coming and he's going to destroy you. The punishment of the serpent is grace for all of humanity. God opened his mouth and he spoke. And this is just, this is the things that are happening. And this is the promise of salvation for man through Christ, right? Um, It would be fulfilled thousands of years later, but God is speaking it at this moment as if it's right now. He's calling... Is that Romans, Romans 4, I think. He's calling what is not as though it were. Yeah. He's calling what is not as though it were. Mm. Right? Isaiah, he tells Isaiah that, that Christ will be a repairer of the breach. The serpent came. He tore something down. He broke this perfect, this very good thing. And Christ would come and he would repair that brokenness. He would fix that. God is calling it now. And I think that's the King James, the way the King James says it. Those things that are not as though they were. I like that even though we don't read King James, we can still steal the, 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 the good language from there. Um, so the cross was not the result of the enemy, right? The cross, I wanna, I, the cross is not the result of the enemy's curse. The enemy's punishment is a result of the cross. Remember, all things were created for him and through him and by him. The cross... Because of the cross, this is, this, is, this is what causes this judgment. This is what causes this judgment. Because of the cross, I am what I am. Doesn't Paul say that? I am what I am. Because of the cross, I am what I am. The cross is not the cross because of me. I am me because of the cross. And that confuses me, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> the enemy comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy God's word. At God's word, harmony is instantly snapped back into place. When God speaks, everything comes back into harmony. Um, so in Genesis 12, we get to Abraham. God, now the Lord said to Abram, God opens his mouth. And now the promise of Christ, because all of this is pushing us towards Christ. God, God is pushing that narrative forward, right? God opens his mouth, he speaks, and why does Abraham believe him? Why would Abraham do this? Abraham seems to have a pretty good life. When you look at what all he had to load up and move, seems to have had a pretty nice life. But I think that God really believed that, that Abraham really believed that God could do with his words what Abraham could not do with a thousand lifetimes of work and toil. This is our goal, is to believe the words that God says over me. You know, when these ladies get together, when any of us get together, and we're praying and we're speaking the word of God, we're speaking something because it's real, because it's true. Not because it's something we believe might happen, but because we're calling into those things that are not as though they were. Because if God says it, it is. I may not understand it. I may not be able to see it, but I know that it is. And when God speaks, um, 
And when God speaks, it is as it, as, yeah. God's outside of time. Because God's outside of time, he can look at, he can look at a broken addict and he can say, that's a pastor. He can say, that's an evangelist. That's a missionary. I'm going to take this guy and I'm going to send him to the other side of the planet and he's going to preach the gospel or maybe I'm going to send him to the street next over. Maybe I'm going to send him right back into the broken community he came out of and he's going to preach the gospel and people are going to be saved because of him. But they can't see it. I remember listening to a pastor one time and he said that. He said, my next elder very well could be a crackhead right now. Be a crackhead living on the street. I'm not looking for the guy with the greatest degree. I'm not looking for the guy with the, with the greatest prestige and neither is God. God sees, because he's outside of time and space, he sees us for what we are. He sees us already with him on the other side of things. He's not dependent on our circumstances. You know, we get so bogged down, I can't see the victory. You may not. You may never see it. But God already knows it's there. Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 and 40. All of these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. Apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They died. Abraham never saw his family inherit the promised land. Nor did Isaac, nor Jacob. David didn't see his throne last forever. He died. God doesn't need me, my carnal flesh, to be here in order to fulfill his promises. His promises just are. Um, what does it say? All the promises find their yes and amen in whom? In Christ. Right? 2 Corinthians 1.20. We love that verse. Oh, the promises of God are yes. In Christ, the promises of God find their amen. They are. They are in Christ. When God opens his mouth, when he speaks, when he, when he got... The, the, the creation going, when he's bringing Abraham into the Holy Land, when he's, when, he's, when he's preaching through the prophets, he's opening his mouth, and he is moving this narrative forward that's going to end at Calvary. His covenants with Abraham, Genesis 15 through 17, they weren't just snapped into place. God spoke them to him. God spoke. He opened his mouth. Exodus 3, 7 through 8, he's speaking from within the burning bush. And this time, he, he, he's, he, it's deliverance. But Moses wouldn't see the Holy Land. But he promises. He promises. I'm going to deliver them. But Moses didn't see that, nor did any of the people that left Israel or Egypt. Matter of fact, they just, I mean, you know, you, you look at them, it's like they see this pillar. They just saw the Red Sea split. The water, I mean, I mean the, 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 the ground isn't even fully wet again, and they're already complaining you brought us here to kill us. You brought us here so we could die. Forget all the things I've seen. You know, I love it because people say it like, well, man, if I could just see it, it wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough if we don't believe like Abraham believed and got up and started walking and it was counted to him as righteousness because he believed God. If we don't believe God, seeing will never be enough. God's words are always pushing towards his promises. God's words are always, always, always pushing towards his promise. We don't have to see it. We don't have to be, we don't have to, it's not an experiential thing, right? Um, somebody said this last weekend up there. They said, 
God's love is not, a, is not sentimental. We love in a sentimental way. We're, we're sweet and we're tender, but sometimes we read the way God speaks to his people, and it's like, man, that's kind of harsh. But God doesn't have that same sentiment that we have. He doesn't, he doesn't, his, he, he's not worried about how our feelings are. Oh, I'm going to hurt their feelings. If I tell, if I tell this, my child that they're about to walk off the cliff, it's, it could hurt their feelings, and I don't want them to do that. So No, God doesn't. He, he jerks that cord back sometimes, right? Not in a way of condemnation, in a way of salvation. Every time God opens his mouth, in all these instances, and we don't even have time, right? Like we go through David, we could go through all the prophets, all the thus saith the Lord. It's always God's promise and it's always moving forward. And so we get to Christ. We get to Christ and the word became flesh. John 1, 14, the word became flesh. Everything that God had spoken, everything that God had, 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 had you know, said through his prophets is now being fulfilled and Jesus is on this mountaintop and he opens his mouth to teach them. And look at the things he teaches them. Blessed are the poor. To a very proud people, he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Right? You go to John 8. They, these guys weren't meek. We've never been slaves. Who are you to call us a slave? They were proud. They were, they were strong. They were... They knew that the, you know they knew the law, and what does Jesus do? He he strips away every opportunity that you could ever boast in yourself. I read this today. It says like there's so many scholars that they wrestle with with the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, "You've heard it said thus, but I say this." Was he contradicting the law? Is he is he is he? No, he's saying. Knowing the hearts of men, right? It says that he, he knew the hearts of men, and so he didn't, turn, he didn't, he didn't um, give himself over to them. They're going to game the system, right? We all know people that game the system today, whether it's taxes or whatever it is. We game the system. Don't commit adultery. Well, I haven't. The rich young man, right? I've, I've obeyed all the commandments. But Jesus strips away your ability by your, car, by, your, by your carnal will and says, but even if you have it in your heart, Right? Even if you have it in your heart, it's enough. And so Jesus is speaking to them. He's taking away all their ability to boast in themselves. He's taking away all their ability to, to, to try to find their way on their own so that we fall back on the word of God. Everything falls back on the word. And when I say word there, I mean Christ. It's Christ. When, the, when Jesus says it, the prophets, the law, it's all me. It was always me. And we have to realize this because when we open our mouth, when we open our mouth to speak, we have to understand that we have authority in Christ. We have authority to open our mouth and to speak the things that are not as though they were, Death even if we never see them. Yeah. Death and life. Death and life. Power of the tongue. We have that ability. And so, and so choose this day, which one you'll, you'll, you'll write, choose life or death. We have the ability to speak life. We don't have to be able to see it. We don't have to be able to see. My wife didn't see our marriage restored before she started crying out to God and proclaiming that our marriage would be restored. We don't have to see the salvation of our children. We don't have to see it 
to be proclaiming it. We don't have to see it. Why? Because God cares more than we could ever care. Because his word gives us certain things, right? It gives us certain promises. And we can say, we can go here and we can say these things. We can say, yes, your promises are yes and amen in Christ, in the word. When God opens his mouth, when God speaks, all we have to do is be subjected to that. Be subjected to his words. Be subjected, not in like a, I need to do this in order to be right with him, but and I think you said this, um, or maybe Adam did just now in class, but like, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying I agree with this. I can never do it. I'll never be good enough, but I agree with what it says. And I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give my heart to you because you've made promises to me. And those promises are realized in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's all I had. We, we were, ladies group, we were talking about this very thing almost.